are back. The Run Duo episode 70. My name is Tommy Mitchell. And I am India Cook. And what's going on, India? How you, it's oh been two goodness. weeks. What's, what's been happening in your life? <laughs> it's been some good two weeks. Good two weeks. Things are going great. I um, actually stepped out to two group runs over the last two weeks. So I really enjoyed myself doing that. I went to... Um, they're it's now called the east side run club but danny um is a we had her on our episode she had a group run on the 20th um and i was able to go to that so that was really good to kind of go out and see we ran down the belt line but then some like side neighborhoods around the belt line which was a good incline and decline so it was really good to be able to do that on freedom parkway and then i also was able to run with latinas running so i'm getting my getting my uh diversity representation making sure i'm supporting everybody and getting out there and coming out of the uh suburbs and into the city to kind of run with a couple run groups so it's been good it's been a good last two weeks has it been what was the turnout and the only reason i really asked about turnout just because of you know covid and everything has it has the turnout been pretty good um for the run groups yeah so i would say so looks like like uh for danny's east side run club it was probably a good like 15 of us. And I want to say that for Latinas running, it was about the same. So yeah, it was, I mean, I think it was a good turnout, like you said, for COVID and making sure that we're, you know, being cautious. It was, it was a good turnout. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, yeah. Sounds like you're getting your diversity uh, run groups in there. Um, yeah. So when do they run? So just if somebody else wants to try to reach out or do you have their information? Yeah, so Eastside Run Club runs, um, they run once a month for right now just because of COVID. Um, and their next run is going to be, don't let me tell you wrong, November the 20th. Um, so let me correct myself, hold on. November 17th, sorry. November 17th at 6.30 and they meet at Air PT to PR, which is down at Studio Plex Plaza, um, Studio Plex uh, I guess it is considered a plaza, but it's uh, Danny. Danny is the Dr. Danny is uh, the owner of Air PT to PR, um, and it's they meet at her studio, and it's usually once a month. You can find her on Facebook. Um, they have a group on there, this Eastside Run Club, um, and again, the next run is November seventeenth at six thirty. And then Latinas running their first run was last weekend, and they are going to have another one on November seventh. And they're going to be changing up where they meet. Um, this time, they're going to be meeting at, um, on November 7th, they're going to be meeting at Silver Comet Trail at 9. So it just varies. And you can find them also on Instagram and Facebook um, at Latinas Running. And then, of course, at Air PT to PR for Danny's Run Group. Perfect. That sounds great. Um, now, and I, I haven't run with any run groups, but I did want to mention my old run group, uh, Pace the City. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, many people know this gentleman's name is Buddy Love. Uh, he's uh, he's the photographer to runners, I would say. But Buddy Love does the run group. It's called Pace City. They run down at the uh, East Side uh, Beltline. I uh, haven't been back back out since they've started up again, and I don't know exactly when they run. But just go look up on Instagram, um, uh, Pace the City. Um, it was a lot of fun when I used to do it. I just don't live in that area anymore. And mm -hmm. I just, I, I'm sorry, I can't get in a car to go run too much <laughs> on a weekly basis. I just can't do it. If I can't just step out the door, it's probably not going to get done. But um, I truly enjoyed running with them. So go check them out on Instagram, Pace the City uh, here in Atlanta. Um, now, uh, 
Oh, also, I'm sure you voted, correct, within these yes. last two weeks. Yes, yes I did. I yes. went and did early voting last year. I mean, last mm -hmm. year, last week, I went and did early voting. So, yeah. Yeah, I did, too. Um, how was your line? So I got there. So our line opened up at seven. Our our facility opened up at seven. And I got there at six, between 630 and 645. And it was already like 30 people in front of me. But by the time they opened the door, I was in and out within 30 minutes. So it wasn't bad at all. Perfect. Yeah, I went over here by me and Tucker. Um, and it was quick. I actually, well, I went, the, I went one day because I was trying to do it in between um, leaving, you know, finishing work and going to pick up a uh, tray from daycare. Um, and the first day I did it, I didn't time it right. The next time, I mean, I was in and out. I mean, literally the line might, I might've been behind like four people before I was in the building, had me fill out the little thing. And then I voted and I was on my way. So people don't let, I mean, you know, I know there are some people, you know, Heather, she, she mailed, well, she didn't actually mail a ballot. She took it to one of the boxes. Um, but um, she did the the voting that way. So if you want to do it that way, that's great. But trust me, you can find time to go and vote in person. Don't don't wait till November 3rd. And then, you know, if they are, you know, in Georgia, I know we've like had about 65 percent of the total who to who voted last year have already voted this year um, for early voting. Right. So, you know, I'm thinking or hoping on election day, the lines won't be long, but don't wait until then. Try to get it. Yeah. If you have the opportunity to vote early, do it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, I definitely know that there are definitely, there are some different options. Some, um, there are some states that are doing like overnight voting. There are some states that are doing drive-through voting. Whatever you need to do, definitely get it in and get it done. Um, I'm excited. Uh, Braxton is actually working the polls on the day of the election day. Um, and so I'm excited to see what that's going to look like. So, yeah, I, I am too. And I mean, you know, I know there's a, I mean, Braxton, uh, I remember you telling me about that. And ever since you told me that I've heard of like six or seven other of my friends who are actually going to be working polls, um, that day. Yeah. So I'm really happy to see a lot of people volunteering and, and, and getting involved in this election. Right. Definitely. It's definitely needed. It's definitely a shortage and we don't want to, allow any of this to be a reason or not having enough poll workers to be a reason why they have to close a location and therefore limit people that can have the access to vote. So we got to do what we can. Exactly. Now, India, I saw this weekend you were out supporting another one of our runners. Um, yes. You had a party on the pavement yes, uh, for, for, for <laughs> another one of our runners. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so my friend January ran the New York City Virtual Marathon. So she actually, there was a, a drawing that took place um, a couple months ago where you could enter yourself into the New York City Marathon lotter, Lottery that would allow you to get guaranteed entry for whenever they have another in-person race. So whether that be 2021, 22, 23. Um, and she actually got in. So, but in order to claim that guaranteed spot, you had to do the virtual marathon this year. And so she did that. And you know what, Tommy, I don't know about you, but I'm a runner, I'm a marathoner and you are too. And I know you know that 26.2 miles is not a small feat. And to do it virtually with no crowd support, to do it virtually with no like people around you, other runners, adrenaline, all of that stuff, it's tough. Yes. And so I took the time to, uh, I kind of pulled together some of our other friends that we call the run squad. And, um, and I kind of planned myself on the course she ran at silver Comet trail. 
Um, and so I kind of went out early and mapped out how I could jump on the course um, three different times to catch her on the route, as well as ran with her a little bit. So it was a good time. I really enjoyed myself. She was very surprised because she didn't know. I, I kind of coordinated things with her husband um, and he was aware. He biked the whole time with her, the whole 26.2. But, you know, it's nothing like having people cheering you on and, you know, knowing that you're out there doing doing 26.2 miles. And other people, you know, running with you. I mean, I understand her husband was biking with her, but I, I yeah. know I've had people bike with me before, like not yeah. for that distance. But I'm always like, look, I'm running. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you on a bike. <laughs> Yeah, I know she was like, can I ride? Like, can I get a ride? Exactly, because, yeah. you know, because, of course, the people on the bike, you know, they usually try to, you know, keep your spirits up talking and stuff. Look, dude, right. <laughs> I'm 19 yeah. miles in on my feet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that was great. And I know you put you have that on your um your, your vlog. So, you know, people go check it out. Um, January is great. Um, she's also an ambassador for um, Atlanta Track Club as well. And she's also a coach, correct? Yes, 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 yes. yes. And she is ambassador with me as well as a RRCA run coach with me. So yeah, so she did great. Listen, when I saw her at mile 22, when I, I jumped in with her at mile 22, and I was like, you're not even breathing hard. She was doing really good. She kept basically a steady pace the whole time. And she actually PR'd um, by 37 minutes and some change. So she she did her thing. She did That's her great. Thing. That is great. Congratulations, yeah. January. Um, doing big things. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, India. Running a, a virtual marathon cannot yeah. be easy. So congratulations. Um, I think Jan I, I want to say um, January is one of the few people that I personally know that mm -hmm. actually did a virtual marathon. I, I think actually Tess of um, yeah, the Race Run Social, well. she did mm -hmm. one as well. So um, kudos to people who can do that because that because yeah. you're right, running 26.2 you need some inspiration. That's not mm -hmm. something that you can do. And I, you know, and I felt that um, not so much on the race half marathon virtual that I did because mm -hmm. there were other people kind of out there with me, but on, when I did the half marathon um, virtual for um, uh, the Lululemon one or whatever, um, that one, I, you know, I must admit, I would have felt better if somebody had run with me because it's not easy to do by yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that we can't underestimate the the excitement of, of cheers, crowd support, cheers for random strangers and runners like that push. Like, I think we can't underestimate that. And, you know, hopefully once COVID gets better, hopefully we can get back to that. I don't know how close we'll get back to that normal, but uh, I'm hoping that we can at some point. Exactly. Now, also this week, um, this was something I really I, I, I love that this group these groups did it it was it was a it was um in michigan some i guess these are elite teams and i guess they are professional teams as well um they did a pro ekiden and if you don't know what an ekiden an ekiden is out of japan um it's a relay it's a relay that totals up to a marathon um basically it's they're huge in japan like literally in japan the companies like the corporations put together the teams and like they'll go to like Kenya to get runners to be on their team. That's how big a deal it is for them to, to win these things. Um, so when I saw that they were having it here um, in the States, I was, I was pretty excited. I thought, okay, that's cool. Um, basically they decided to do it because they just wanted to find a way to get some of these elite runners 
um, out in races since, you know, the world's majors had been shut down and, and that sort of thing. And that's kind of why they put it together. And our very own, the Atlanta Track Club Elites, did participate in it. They, it looks like they might have had somebody that got injured because um, I'd see that they, they missed one of the, the legs. But it was kind of cool the way they put it together. It looks like they had men running against the men and the women running against men, as in, like, the first leg might have been a 10K and it was all men, and then maybe the next leg was, a, you know, an 8K. It would be, you know, the women of your team running. So it was good. So it was a co-ed kind of thing. So I thought that was really interesting. And I, I really was hoping that they would, you know, kind of show it a little bit more nationally. It was, it was a Facebook live kind of thing. Right. Um, so I did get to see, I got to see parts of it, but I didn't get to see the whole thing. But I, I felt good that, that, that um, these teams were trying to find ways to get out and run and, you know, um, you know, get on their feet, you know, when they don't have any major marathons to run into. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that right now there are a lot, and I'll have to send you some emails. Um, Fast Women is a, is an organization that kind of keeps up with a lot of the running world. There's a lot of racing and ro uh, track run work and the track races and stuff that are, that's still happening. Um, smaller organizations, of course, and it's not ma world major level, but there's still a lot of running that's still happening. And, you know, a, a a meetup like the one that you're speaking of those those things like you said keeps the spark going and and just kind of makes you look forward to something and keeps you in shape because i think that's the biggest thing with a lot of the elites and the pros that are not technically racing quote unquote right now they are having these one-off races or these these random smaller events um that are that are helping them to keep in shape and make sure that they're just not you know losing all of their fitness so it's really exciting that stuff still is happening yeah, and I actually I read uh, an interview with some of the runners that have participated in it, and they really enjoyed it because, you know, with running, even though you may be on a team, it's really very individual. It's you usually when they're running, it's just them. Even if you're, you know, running at a meet and you're on a team in a meet, even in that particular race, unless it's actually a relay race, you're just you're on your own pretty much. And he really right. enjoyed the fact that he was participating in something that was truly a team because it took everybody in that team, you know, to get to the finish line, basically. Um, and it's something I'm hoping that maybe, you know, that we can see more of. Um, because I think if we got a, a true pro Ekiden going, like in Atlanta or in New York or wherever, um, I think people would show up to watch um, if you had yeah, elite runners cool. doing that. I really do. The main thing they said was, well, of course, as always, it's about the money. Um, but he feels, he feels like, um, like, so say he felt like elites would like it maybe. And, and I think he was talking more, maybe this, I don't want, I don't like to say second tier elites, but you know, maybe not someone like Kipchoge who, you know, probably gets appearance fees, even if he doesn't win, you know, mm -hmm. when he goes to races, but like say runners who kind of are on the circuit and, you know, they may get a hundred dollars for being third place, or they may get $200 for being, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas mm -hmm. if you started a pro Eki bin where maybe five people split $10,000, you know, that's something they, they would love to see. So, but he said, of course, it's always about corporate sponsorship and, and money and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely takes money and, and effort to put on these events. So hopefully some somehow, somewhere it can be pulled together and we can continue to be able to see these things. And like I said, that event was broadcast on Facebook and hopefully, you know, they find ways that it can be broadcast to other to other areas so that more people can see it. Exactly. Now, we have a wonderful guest. We have Marcus Brown um, that we're going to bring on. He is 
the um and uh in the interview that we had with him was so inspirational so i, I want everybody to take a listen um and we're going to bring him on right now and we are back on episode 70 of the run duo podcast and today we have a great guest marcus brown how you doing today marcus i'm good thanks it's great oh, to talk great. to thomas in india Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Marcus is the uh, uh, host of the Runner's Life podcast, and is he a, he's a six-star finisher for the World Majors. Um, you, you got a lot of accomplishments there, uh, Marcus. Um, we always like to kind of start off with your run story, your run journey. What got you into running in the first place? I didn't run at school or university. I had someone I knew who used to run five I think five 10ks half marathons and he was telling me about this thing that he did while he was working in Europe and, and he's wanting me to get involved and I was like why would I run like <laughs> I couldn't see why anyone would want to run more than 400 meters I always used to play um, football I guess you guys got soccer um, so that's the only time I used to run but bar that I was like enjoying life enjoying university and yeah he got me he, he got me through a bet basically he's like I bet you couldn't do this and that kind of got my fire going I thought well I'm gonna prove you wrong and that's basically how it started and I did a, a 10k way back in 2006 training was like a steep road because I just didn't really know what I was doing I was wearing my my football kit um, and not really wearing proper running shoes you know just wearing just regular sneakers trainers and yeah I made loads of rookie mistakes but once the training was hard but once I got to the race I really enjoyed it I had this feeling that no one could really take it away from you, that you've earned something. Mm. And it, it, that really sort of started the journey for me. Yeah. I'm kind of like that. What you just said is that like with running, when you cross the finish line or finish or run, whatever it is, it is something that no one can take away from you. Like you did that yourself. <laughs> so Yeah. It's like when people say to me, when do you think you became a runner? I was like, well, that was the moment when I crossed that line because it was official. Right. I had the medal. <laughs> So you could take away from it. Yeah, exactly. 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 You did the. Your body did that. Exactly. Now you said, and I'm sorry. Say the year again, Marcus. That you that that happened. 2006. 2006. Now that was a 10k. When did you go from running 10ks to marathons? What what made you decide to make that that jump from the middle distance to the long distance? So it was a gradual process of several years. My first marathon, I think it was around 2008, and I did it about 4.15. And I was just working my confidence up from doing 10Ks and half marathons. And then I eventually did the, the full marathon. But, you know, I don't have any regrets. But looking back at it, you know, you get really excited by running and you want to do everything now. You want to rush the process. So I was really enthusiastic. I was signing up to lots of races, but not really understanding the interest, the the process of, of running and what it required in terms of strength and conditioning etc and just respecting the different types of workouts and I just rushed it and got lots of injuries and just mm. it, yeah it was, a, it, was a, it was a tough road but you know I don't have any regrets I mean you, you only know what you know at the time so yeah do you feel like your injuries were because you were increasing mileage too quickly or just didn't have like the right shoes and stuff lots of things so Okay. One of the biggest rookie mistakes was I used to try and run every run faster than the day before. Mm. <laughs> so not really understanding. I didn't have a coach at the time. Yeah. This is before, you know, you know, before sort of stuff was on social media as well. 
and yeah. but there were books about it but not a lot so um yeah I was just really really green and I really just you know just didn't really understand it in terms of and also I just didn't do strength and conditioning I didn't have the right kit like you said the right shoes mm-hmm. or you know do things like static stretching before you even started running just mm-hmm. lots of things that I wouldn't do now but like I said you don't know what you don't know at the time and right. once you know better you do better yeah you know what's so funny though I think even right now all three of us are runners, but I think that even right now, sometimes we don't realize that easy days really just need to be easy. And even with yeah. long runs, like they don't have to be all out. Like this is not race day. But I think sometimes as runners, we get kind of competitive with ourselves and we try to push, push, push. And it doesn't get you where you really want to be at the at you know, for the end game. So that's awesome. Yeah, you've got to respect the easy runs. They've got such value. Mm-hmm. and now I really respect it I just go as easy as is required but then even go slower because like you said you, you really want to save yourself for the sessions that that matter and each run's got a purpose so once you understand that you know when to push and when not to push yeah definitely definitely so do you remember I know since you started um, when you started out running back in 2006 and then doing your marathon in 2008 do you remember kind of what your pace was then when you first started I don't think I had a running watch. Mm. <laughs> there was nothing. That's why I was like, you probably didn't have 2003 no. those times. <laughs> no, I don't think I had a running watch. I think I just tracked it somehow through an app on my iPhone at the time. I think that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a, a running watch. I just had like a regular watch. Right. And yeah, I was just not really understanding. Like I said, didn't really understand paces or what was required. So yeah, the, the marathon was a rude awakening the first time I did it because it was just it takes you into a world <laughs> that you've not been in before. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Definitely. Now, once you started um, running marathons and did, was it immediate? Because I, I know a lot of times, I know at least for me, when I got into running, I didn't know a whole lot about the run. I knew, didn't know what a world major was. I ran when I ran Chicago. I didn't even know it was a world major. Somebody told me, um, "Oh, you're running a world major." I don't know what that is. So, um, when you first got into marathon running, did you already know what the world majors were, and you set the goal to become um, a six-star finisher, or was that just something as time went on, you figured it out and decided, "Hey, this is something I want to do." I don't think it was until 2016, I believe that the six stars became a thing when when Tokyo became the sixth uh, marathon major and then they sort of produced the medals but there were still the marathon majors if that makes sense so mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's doing the five and getting a medal <laughs> and way way back I was just running marathons just I was just trying to find races that was basically I wasn't particularly thinking about I want to do the marathon majors being from London I want to run London and trying to get in the ballot so I was quite lucky the first time first couple of times I, I ran London I got into the ballot and that was amazing and then the second major that I did which I did two in one year in 2010 so I did London that was my slowest marathon of 455 and then I did uh, Berlin but that was a time when you could for Berlin you could literally it was like first come first serve mm. it's, it's nothing like that now <laughs> the, yeah. the majors are so popular I mean, even before Covid it was just so hard to get a place so right. um and I remember I did London and Berlin and I thought I remember seeing New York and things like that and I thought ah oh, no way that's like beyond me that's for someone else <laughs> and I, that dream just died basically for a couple of years and then the fact 
back in 2015, maybe, I think it was, I was speaking to a friend who run the New York City Marathon from London. And I said to her, oh, what's New York like? I was like, it can't be as good as London because we're both from London. She's like, no, it's better. I was like, what? Right. <laughs> <And> <laughs> like, how like, can what? it be better? <laughs> yeah, how can it be better? I mean, the crowds are amazing. What are you talking about? So I was just like, oh, okay, I really want a piece of this. But, you know, sometimes it takes you to see someone that you know doing something that mm-hmm. makes you question yourself. I was just a bit like, I left that conversation thinking, if she can do it, why am I limiting myself to not running the majors? Why do I, mm. why do I limit myself so I couldn't run New York? I was like, that is such a limited way of thinking. Right. So I went back and I just basically thought, how can I get into New York City Marathon? I found a way of getting into it. And yeah, I, I ran it. I mean, it's one of the, the toughest courses, but it's an incredible experience. I mean, it's probably yeah. my favorite, probably in Marathon Major, just because of just what it means to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of running the course, I mean, it's still a hard course, but just like the people, just the atmosphere, the whole everything about it mm-hmm. uh it's just amazing so yeah that was a, that was a really the spark for me and then I did New York I was just like wow this is amazing now I really want to try and do the others and then it progressed into getting to Tokyo um and then it's doing the rest really from there and it's you know what's so funny Marcus is that because we're from the states we feel like getting into well I feel like I'll speak for myself sorry Tommy I feel like getting into like London and Berlin is a big deal and it kind of like how you were thinking about oh New York that's kind of like far-fetched that's kind of at what point how one point how I was feeling about London and Berlin but now it's like a goal (laughs) so it's so interesting and it seems like for us it's a little harder to get into you know uh, like a London marathon versus you being being that you're from there and over there already so definitely yeah London's getting harder the harder to get into I remember years ago even for people like myself where you would if you didn't get into the ballot after a certain amount of years that you'd get a place but they stopped doing that and what they I think they've got like over 450,000 people applying for less than 40,000 places right it's just ridiculous you can't make and keep everyone happy so and they play on that as well because they know that it's going to be popular and there's going to be more people applying the following year. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. They play yeah, on I, added. I, I think paying, yeah. doing the uh, marathon tours, they make a lot yeah. of money from that. And that's how a lot of, I know a lot of people that I know that have run like London and Berlin, they do the marathon tours, but it's so expensive. And then us, yeah. for us to even get over there, it's like we're paying so much more money. <laughs> so, Yeah. It is an expensive thing and uh, I, yeah, you can't get around that. So even though I look at the numbers of finishes for the World Marathon Majors, you think, okay, it's relatively a small number. But then I do think, you know, one, it's leave in terms of being able to get time away from people's jobs and family and it's the expense of doing it. So I, I do appreciate that it's not a, a cheap thing to do. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah, and I, I like you said, the, the six-star, you know, medal started in 2016. And I think... I mean, I can't say that that's the only reason, but I'm thinking that has a lot to do with it. You put a medal in front of people and people want to get it. So, it's, it's, you know, it, people find reasons to make these goals and, and they make them. And, 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 and I think that's what the explosion of all these world majors has, you know, to do with a lot of it anyway. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a challenge. It's a challenge to be yeah. able to do them all. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you do. I, yeah, I do agree. I think us as humans we like shiny things and <laughs> and that's probably one part of the equation but for me it's not enough to you know run in the winter when you don't want to run so you need to a, a deeper why than that yeah and also the people that you know you meet like I made some really great friends from it and traveled the world and that's something that you can't take away and it's amazing when you say you've done two or three 
before majors with a friend and you do you get the six together i mean yeah. it's just an incredible feeling so yeah yeah i completely can understand that it's now before we I'm sorry. I'm sorry go ahead india now, I was going to say, it's one of those things, like, it's it's already a big thing to be a part of what we call the 1% club to be a marathoner. But then within yeah. that 1%, to be the even lesser percent that has done the six majors, I think that's just a huge accomplishment. And when I say challenge, it's like, it's a... It's, it's something that's like, how can I reach this goal? It's more of a goal um, to be able to do. So it's, it's definitely a big kudos to have gotten to that place. Yeah, I think for me, though, when I look back at the six stars and what it meant it's more than the medal I think for me it's more the fact that when I talked to you about that story about New York it was almost limiting myself and by going for this goal it was more about proving to myself why are you limiting yourself just kind of remove some of those fears that you naturally put in front of you about you can't do certain things and obviously you can do easier things than running the world majors or you can run six marathons whatever but for me just represented the idea of something almost unattainable at the start mm-hmm. uh, and then actually but more through my own mental limitations rather than actual actually being limited to me mm-hmm. yeah. exactly exactly and you kind of and the thing is because like you said that conversation with your friend and and the new yorker that kind of what's got you going because that's actually because yeah. i've been i've been running you know i ran in high school you know and i've run off and on on my own but i didn't really race a lot until I was talking to a friend, I'm originally from Orlando, Florida. I was talking to a friend, she's living in Orlando, and she started posting all her medals. I'm like, wait a minute, I've been running way longer than you, and you got like 20 medals. And actually, because of course, I mean, you probably remember this time period, there was a time when unless you won it, or at least come in the top three, you got nothing. You got a t-shirt, you know, and they kind of sent you on your way. Whereas now, you know, they get a medal for a 5K. So it was, that's how she started. So that's when I started racing again. So I definitely understand where you're coming from on that. Yeah. Now, I do see you have a, because I always like to ask when I see someone that has a kid, how did that, did your little boy change your, your running any, or did you, were you able to keep your training going the same way once he was born? Yes, yeah, so it's interesting. So I've got two kids. I've got oh, okay. um, a three-year-old daughter and my son is like nearly 10 months now. So and he was born at the start of this year, which obviously made it quite challenging with lockdown and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to answer your question, yeah, it definitely does make training more challenging. When he was born, obviously you need to step back and be there for your family. And as time goes on, you kind of get back into it. But I've got to be honest, I've got a very understanding wife, to be honest, because <laughs> no one really, <laughs> to explain to someone why you're running and you're not winning a race, but you need to do it six or seven days a week, <laughs> kind of makes no sense to like a rational person. So I'm thankful that she allows me to do what I need to do. But yeah, it makes it challenging in terms of, you know, you, you're tired and, you know, you, you, you can't just sort of come back home and sit down and chill out. Um, but on the other side, I think it's quite a good thing because you come back and you, you've got that that perspective, that balance. You know, like for example, you could go like I remember when I came back and I did my sub three uh, marathon. I know we're going to go into it, but and the same sort of thing when I've done r- other runs. Like I come back and the kids come to me and you've got to change their diapers or they like they <laughs> sneeze in your face or they or they fart on you. You're just like thanks for that. <laughs> it's like back to real life exactly like that special day is over yes yeah. <laughs> so leave it at the door you're back home now right. forget that i just ran all those miles 
Well, you, you're an inspiration to me because I, I, I'll be honest, I didn't know you had a three-year-old daughter as well. I know I'd seen pictures of you with your new son, um, but yeah. you're an inspiration. I have a young son. He's he's a, he's older than your son. I think my son's like about almost 16, 17 months now. Um, but it definitely changed my my running. So you're an inspiration. Uh, my my uh, girlfriend is a runner as well, so she should be understanding, but she really isn't. So I, I kind of had to step back and let her do her running um, um, <laughs> since we've had since we've had our son. But uh, well, you're an inspiration to try to get back into it and, and, you know, keep dropping those times the way you did. Yeah, thank you. It's been a long journey. So I know we'll probably get into it. But, you know, I tried to go sub three, three times last year. I was getting so close to it. So, you know, it's one of those things that you just got to keep believing in yourself to, to keep going, even though things almost feel like they're going against you, especially this year. It's supposed to do London and then it got postponed and then it became an elite only race and then I was lucky enough to find an actual race mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the year which was a, a flat looped course which was which was good but then you get the time we got there it was just rain and wind and you're just like man like God is just trying to like chuck another challenge at me right now <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's just got to feel I've got to deal with this one yeah definitely, definitely. You know, something that I think about um, when speak kind of tying in Tommy to what you were just mentioning as far as training time is if I was to go out and do a 10, uh, 10, um, a 10 mile run, it may take me two hours. Whereas if someone else that is running six minute miles, it may take them an hour to do that, that exercise. So for me, I always compare, I'm like, you know, the, the time that someone else, another athlete with a faster pace than I do that has that their chunk of their day for training is a lot less than my chunk of the day. And when I think about your story in the beginning, when you first started marathoning, you weren't running sub six minute miles. So yeah. I was just wondering, do you think about kind of the time frame that it takes out of your day, along with obviously having kids, but being able to train and do things and just to time shift between when you first started training um, at, a, at a maybe a different pace than what it is now? Yeah, I definitely have a lot of appreciation from when I started and one of the things as well, when I finished the last marathon running sub three, I, d- I have not come off that, you know, that, that run as high almost because I know what it took to get from mm-hmm. my slowest time from 4.55 down to 2.56. And I, I always find it funny now when people ask me my running time, I tell them, they're like, wow, that's amazing. Like, you must be some really talented runner. And I'm like, no, I was <laughs> I was a guy that people said he was really slow. I remember I, I told people I used to work with, I did 4.55 for the London Marathon and like the looks I got. <laughs> it was just like mm-hmm. it was just like wow that is slow <laughs> you know what I mean so so I I you know I, I never forget where I came from and I always got respect for everyone that you know runs a full marathon and even though my times have come down it's it's a weird feeling because it still feels like almost the same effort even when I was running it a lot so to I'm running it now it's just you get more efficient it, it still hurts it, it never that feeling never goes away it doesn't get easier you just get more used to being able to stay within that that place and talk back to yourself and talk back to the doubts and all those fears because they never go away even if you're running you know faster times there's still moments where you're just like can I keep doing this and your body's just like your head's going just stop just stop just stop and you have to talk back to it and go, look, I, I know this hurts, but you you can do this. You've done, you're a strong person. You've done this in your life. You've done that. You've achieved these things. You've got to keep going. Or sometimes I just I'd like bully myself from, you know, um, 
the last year when I ran New York City Marathon, I ran three hours and 19 seconds. I'd be running in the parks, you know, and it's like windy and raining. And you just like, just think about that 20 seconds. And I, I'd, or, you know, those are the kind of moments that really push you forward. So when you're talking about times, you've got to bear in mind as well that I, I only run quickly at, at certain like certain workouts. So most of my week, I run pretty easy, you know, eight, nine minute miles, just how, how I'm feeling. And I don't put it on Instagram. I don't put it on Strava. I just, the only person that sees it on Strava is my coach, is my own follower. And because I just feel like you just don't need that extra noise and attention sometimes. I just feel like, you know, you can't, you, that's the thing about running. And that's something I learned from the beginning is like, you, you can't run fast all the time. And running slowly actually does help you run fast. But at the same time, whether you run slow or you run fast, you're still feeling the same experiences. And I, you know, I, I think the only thing that's really, one of the things that have changed is probably more of the mindset. Obviously, you can sort of talk about, yeah, there's the physical side where you get stronger, but it's the mental side. I mean, uh, when I ran 4.55 and I ran it in London, I, that race just went, I, I just, I did all the rookie mistakes. I, I ran it way too quickly. I ran it way too hot. And by eight or nine miles, I was struggling. I was walking, running, walking, running. And the doubts have just come in your head and you're thinking, I can't do this. Why am I here? I should just stop. And I remember after halfway, I went past that and then got to Canary, I think down to the city. And I saw my wife in, in the crowds. And I was like, there's no way I can keep doing this. I want to stop. She gave me a talking to. I carried on walking, running, walking, running. So it's funny. I think like when people look at me now, they think, oh, it's you just you just dropped here and you you just gone and done it. But there's yeah. been times and years where you you doubt yourself, but when you stay in the process, you actually you you learn that actually you're stronger than you think. And it's just like a for some people, yeah, you know, there's some outliers that you know can do their first marathon sub three or they run their first marathon and get a Boston qualifier. Yeah, great for them. But I wasn't one of those people. I was one of those people that I've had to really, really work to get to where I am. And that's why I just feel so immensely satisfied from what I've done. I'm not saying that this is the end point, but it's it's a, it's almost like the, you know, the, the step up that I, I needed to kind of now move forward to basically see what my, my best looks like. And it's, it's such an amazing feeling to prove yourself right, just to know that, yeah, you stuck with it and you've now seen some results. I know I've kind of gone on to a bit of like a Kanye West sort of tangent there. From no, you yourself did it. No, it's great. No, Margaret, it's, it is no, wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it's so much more than physical. It, it it definitely all makes sense. And, you know, you it seems like you really respect and are humble about the process that it took to become a sub, a sub three hour marathoner. And that's appreciated. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. Like I said, it's it's such a a great feeling of just to know that you trusted yourself to stick with it because I feel what if I stopped at 455 I would have never known what this feeling would be like mm -hmm. yes it, it's nothing like hitting a goal I, I think that's yeah. I, I'd say that to and it mean of course we appreciate all runners uh, you know yeah. back of the we call them back of the Packers front of the Packers middle of the Packers whatever we appreciate all runners and you know some readers runners don't really run for time some runners just get out there because they enjoy running which I appreciate them as well but I, I tell everyone training for a goal a, like a, a time goal and hitting it is probably one of the greatest feelings in the world to me 
So I, I definitely appreciate what you've done. And I'm sure when you did it, you, you were like, yes, all that work, all that came together. And, and, and I hit what I was trying to get to. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful feeling. And kind of like you say, it really goes back to the enjoyment. Even though I'm running for times at the moment, ultimately, you have to do it because you like it. Whether you're trying to do it at a certain time or you're just running for whatever other reason, if you don't enjoy it, you won't you won't stick doing it. you won't stick with it. Like when it's cold, you, you're going to be like, well, I'll stay in. Well, if you really want to do it, you'll you know you'll put another coat on, you'll put some gloves on, and you'll go out and get it done. Mm-hmm. You know, you've there's got to be some reason why you want to do it beyond the time because the time isn't enough or trying to impress other people or trying to get an external goal for me even though i put the, the, the idea about sub three on like for me sub three wasn't the, the, the goal it was just more of like do you know when you're trying to stretch yourself you just need a target far enough that's going to push you mm-hmm. that was basically what the target was for me and you know then it kind of moves forward for whatever you want it to be next but ultimately regardless of time or whatever you have to enjoy it if I didn't enjoy what I was doing, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be training. Mm-hmm. Most but that's that's not, that's not to say that like I, I don't get out of my bed every day clicking my heels like yes I can't wait to run <laughs> <laughs> can't right. wait to hit that eight mile run. <laughs> so, hey, it's like some days like oh man oh, I'm not feeling this but mm-hmm. I know it's part of the process to get me through whatever I need to and like how we've gone through this year has been kind of crazy as well because I know a lot of people struggled in terms of like you know getting through it and motivation to not have any races and things like that but the way I've looked at it is almost like a test because I feel like if I can get through this year and still maintain a decent sort of level of just consistency then what am I going to be like when races do resume next you know in a couple of years time or whatever right. you know if you can get through this tough period like how I mean directly is going to be easy true that is definitely true now, Marcus, you, you're an accomplished runner. You've, you've set goals, you've trained. But what made you decide that you not only wanted to run, but you wanted to interview other runners? What, what made you, what point did you decide that you wanted to put that podcast together? I think it was at the start of lockdown. And, you know, we, we're humans. We like to interact with people. And I've got my profile on social media, my Instagram page, but I think you don't really get the the real conversations like you know as much as possible. I mean, we're talking here but it's still like a conversation not obviously face to face but still human to human and you know we need that and sometimes I kind of miss those conversations I had with my friends about things we were thinking about running and often the conversations weren't really about uh what shoes are you wearing or what pace are you hitting or what times you're running it's more about what are you thinking about what are you feeling what what's your like belief system like going into a race what you do you mean and i thought found those conversations like really uh it's more interesting so i thought how can i try and put that into take those conversations offline and bring them online but also i know also i know from yourself you've got the podcast as well but i looked and i thought there's not a lot of people of color doing podcasts as well that are kind of well known in a res- uh, respected I thought well why not why why was it why not me so um I thought well I'm not a journalist I'm not experienced in you know talking to people but I think I'm a good listener and I think I can ask decent questions and let's just see what happens and you know you make mistakes because you know podcast speaking of podcasts it's like a regular conversation is completely different 
and it involves different skills which I'm still learning now but ultimately I really enjoy speaking to different people learning what makes them tick and just showing everyone that there's so much more that unites us when we just stop looking at just other people's accomplishments in terms of goals and times and things like that um so it's just more about the sense of community but also like i said trying to amplify uh, people of color into this 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 uh arena but make it a normal part of the conversation rather than it just being oh it's a black guy doing a podcast mm-hmm. it's, it's a, i want people to say this is a really good podcast but happens to be by a black guy right no that totally makes sense do you have a favorite episode or episode that you really like like to listen to or play black pay playback that you have done so far oh my gosh um there's a couple of there's quite a few people i've spoken to that things resonate with me mm. so number i'll give you a couple sorry so number 50 i did with um, a woman called patty dylan she was the first american woman to run a sub 230 marathon and she told this story about racing in Brazil towards the end of her career. And I was just like, so you just listening to the story and thinking that is incredible. And, you know, she struggled in this race and she really just described it in absolute detail from the waking moment through the race. And you really felt like you're running with her. And even the moments where she was, you know, struggling, she was like, I remember she said at one point, she was like, my, I started to cramp up or I started to really feel really tired. She said, she spoke to God. She said, God, just help me out. And, she, and God said, okay, what do you want? And she said, well, lift up my left foot. Thank you. Okay. Pick up my right foot. Thank you. And you know, sometimes you hear these things, you're like, even someone like that has to break something down to that level, but it's so relatable. So for me, like, that was an incredible story. There's a guy called Lee Ryan on, and we spoke about, he's an accomplished runner. He's a, he's a coach as well. He works out in the Middle East. And we spoke about the loss of his son, and the loss of his mother and how that impacted him. And he just spoke so vividly about it. It was just really emotional and, uh, you know, really, it's a great, it's a great sort of thing to, to listen to. And other people had like Knox Robinson on as one of my first um, interviews. And, you know, he's lived a life as well. And, you know, just trying to pick his brain and just, you know, just understand what makes him tick. And, and I remember asking him a question about like, what are you thinking about when you're running? And he was, basically saying something along the lines of just like kind of he's basically done the work but he's kind of in a flow state mm-hmm. i think sometimes as a runner sometimes you could think like people say to you all right what's your strategy going to be for the race they say you have a physical and a mental strategy and i think you can sometimes over complicate the, the the mental side it's like when you've done the training and you feel really confident in the training it translates into the race it's almost like it's like a training run going into the race. That's how I felt like in my last run. I was really, as not not 100% relaxed, but I was, feed, I was fairly relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that for the first time. So I wasn't wasting a lot of mental energy thinking about mantras and all this kind of stuff. Um, I think towards the end of the race, you know, that's when you start probably having to dip into your toolbox. But at the beginning of the race, you can really just, you just dialed into your pace and you're just kind of in this place where you're just going. And, you know, I got that from him and, I mean, there's been so many people that I've spoken to and got so many good things from, and I kind of don't want to disrespect everyone by saying it's picking those ones out, but yeah. each person <laughs> has told me something new um, and I can relate to. Definitely. 
definitely. I think something that made me that that stood out to me with with what you just said is um, trusting your training. I think that that's something that I always tell myself when it's time for race day, and I know that I've executed a good training block. I just kind of tell myself, trust the training. I mean, we all have mantras and stuff, but that just kind of helps me to kind of calm down and hopefully get to that place of a relaxed day of running, you know? And, and so it doesn't feel so much like a race, but obviously it is, but more like, you know, you've trained up for this. Yeah, just trust it. Even, you know, you've got that layer, but then beyond that, you've got just trust yourself. Like yeah. what life experiences have you gone through that you can draw on that, if, you know, you've, you can, you can look back and go, you know, I got through that. Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes, and like, I remember did like Berlin marathon last year and my tr- training build up to it w- wasn't ideal. I had some health concerns and I wasn't hitting certain paces and my training wasn't, wasn't what I would have liked it to be, but I remained fairly consistent. And I remember I got to the race and I was just thinking, do you know what? I've not done great in this training blocks before, but what really counts is all the years of training beforehand and the life experiences. So I kind of gave myself that sort of talking to and I ran a then PB at the time of a 301. I think my coach was basically thinking at the time, he said to me after, I thought you were going to run a 315. So it just goes to show that if you just trust yourself, you know, things can happen. Definitely. Definitely. So let me ask you this, um, Marcus. And because you just mentioned your coach and it just kind of put a question in my head. When did you decide to get a coach? Like, what was it that made you decide I, I can't do this by my, you know, I don't want to do this by myself. Or I can't do this by myself. I have a goal and I would like somebody to help me with. When did that that hit you that you wanted to use a coach? I think sometimes the right coach finds you because <laughs> I remember trying to do it myself for quite a while and it's been I think that's the sort of person I'm I'm like. I'm just like, I'm doing it myself. I'm not waiting for anyone to do it. I'm going to do it for me. And I did it for a couple of years. And then I found different coaches, but they just weren't the right fit for me. And I I, I found my coach through Strava. And, you know, we got, you know, got connected through there. And you know I mean? it, just, it kind of started organically through there. So I, I didn't actually, it's funny, like I wasn't trying to find a coach. It's almost like he found me, if that makes sense. <laughs> and it was just, re- and the way it kind of developed is quite organic. It wasn't trying to be too pushy, and yeah. So, and yeah, we've got a really good relationship. You know, uh, you know, it's helped me uh, learn how to just. Sometimes you you need someone also in life to see something in you that you don't see yourself, and for you just to kind of hold back your own disbeliefs and just think. Well, if they see it, why not just try it and see what happens? And, you know, well, that could be running. It could be a mentor. It could be a parent. I mean, it could be a good teacher. I think if you get someone like that in your life, it's um, it's a good it's a good thing. So, um, yeah, I'd say that, yeah, to answer your question, I think my coach found me rather than me looking for a coach and thinking I need to do it. Otherwise, I would have just been like, no, I can do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> and and I asked that because I wanted you to explain it because a lot of us are like that. A lot of us don't feel like, you know, we need, you know, most of us don't get paid to run. Um, so yeah. like, I, I can do it myself. I can reach my goals myself. That's why I kind of wanted to see what, what brought you to the moment that said, hey, you know what? Because you have accomplished, you know, many of your goals and what brought you to the moment to decide, hey, I want somebody to help me with this. So I appreciate yeah, you giving us that information. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that you can't have it, you know, you can't do it without a coach. I mean, you could still run faster times than me and be not be coached, 
But I think having a coach for me is accountability, working with someone. And it really has taught me how to train properly and just to understand the different training blocks and different training cycles. Like one of the funniest questions I get asked is not funny, haha, but in terms of people say, what is the, the key workout that you do to get to sub three? And I'm like, there is no key workout. It's literally just being consistency and just different training sessions, but it's been doing this done in a regular way. So the sessions I did in the last block weren't the same as the ones before. Mm-hmm. And the ones they weren't the ones are the same before. I mean, there were kind of some sort of similarities, but there's slight differences because also your coach is trying to work to see what is best for you as well. And you can't always get that from uh, a book because you get a book and it's literally the same thing. You, you can't just replicate it and think, oh, okay, I'm just going to do it from 16, then I'll start again and I'll start again because that's not how you work as, as humans. And, you know, I think the body needs something different as well to, you know, to take it to those next levels that was, that's required. Definitely understandable. Yeah. I mean, now, I think, go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Indy. My fault. No, I was going to say, I think it's, that's important. It's just like no training program can be technically cookie cutter. Like every athlete yeah. is different in how they can push themselves to different levels in different places and different spaces of the training plan. Of course, there's some like regular things that we like, you know, everyone needs to taper or whatever, but, or you should be tapering. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about the individual. Yeah. And I think that, like you say, there's tapering and then there's, there's lots of stuff that I think the stuff people put out there that doesn't work. Like for example, like people talk about like carb loading so for me, carb loading doesn't really work because I find I can end up starting the race and be too full and too heavy, feel like I'm too being too heavy. So I end up just eating what I eat normally. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the only thing I do different is I might have like an extra Morton drink for mm-hmm. breakfast or for dinner, but that's about it. And even then, it's about just like literally keeping what you just keep repeating what you've done the weeks before, just having similar meals, you know, repeating and just training the same sort of uh, nutrition that you take on the runs in terms of gels and things like that so uh, i know i'm going for the tangent here but i just think yeah although there are some sort of things that you know you, you should be doing uh, i think there's some stuff out there which people hear they think oh i've got to do that as well like i've got to eat a massive bowl of pasta or i've got to eat a massive pizza it's like well you don't <laughs> you just eat what you normally eat you don't need it yeah. A pizza will not save you, you know. Right. The night before <laughs> yeah. At, at mile Hi. 19, that pizza is not going to be what's going to no. get you to mile 26.2. Yeah. I definitely yeah. understand that. That wall is still there. It may come a little later, but it's still there. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you guys think like I do. Like, whenever I run a marathon, like, literally, whenever I hit whatever portion of that wall i just think back ah, that's because i missed that training on thursday you know back two months ago and this is why i'm feeling like this right now so that's kind of how i think when i started hitting those walls and those marathons i think the wall is such a, an interesting one because it's so it's between obviously training and nutrition as well so mm-hmm. i give it up when i did new york last year i started to feel and I think a lot of people can relate to this. When you're running quickly or whatever, or in a marathon, you do feel sick because you're taking gels and, you know, your body's just, you know, moving around and it's just, your body's not designed to do that, you know, I mean, to, to digest and, you know, be moving at the same time. So I was running New York and I think I got to mile 20, started to feel a bit sick. And I thought, no, I'm not going to take any more of my gels, which is a crucial mistake because then I hit the wall and I really suffered trying to get towards the end. And everyone knows when New York, 
know, you've got those ups and downs and towards the end, it's just, it just takes out your legs. So I suffered towards the end. And this uh, particular race, when I ran in Dorney Lake for my sub three, I had similar type of things. I was feeling great up until probably about mile 14, 15. Then I started feeling nauseous. Mm. I was like, okay, man, how do you manage this? So you're trying to run at your limit but not be sick and I know it doesn't sound like a normal thing for people who don't run to to hear that but then at the same time you're trying to go to your limit but then still make sure that you fuel so I was like I know what happened in New York and if I stop fueling I'm gonna hit the wall and I'm not gonna make sub three and I'm not doing that so it's like these weird (laughs) conversations that runners have but Mm -hmm. this is only stuff that I've learned from before and then when you talk about the wall like even if you do like 22 mile I mean runs or whatever like it literally is about for me it's about you know doing the training but fueling i mean i'm not really one of these sort of people that are into faster fueling or sort of fasted like runs or you know trying to prove a point and trying to do like 20 miles with no fueling i mean that's just ridiculous i mean if you want to run a fast marathon or you know even if you don't want to run a fast marathon but you want to get to the end comfortably fuel do i mean you just (laughs) give your body what it needs and it will look after you as much as it's i mean within reason so i think for me like you know fueling is so important to not hitting the ball as well mm-hmm. definitely uh i definitely agree with that <laughs> yeah. yeah for sure yeah i think i think fueling and shoes are two things that you kind of can't give Mm. direct uh this is what you should do to because you get I know for me I get so many questions well what shoes should I wear how much you know what should I be doing and it's like those are two things that I feel like you can't give a direct answer to because it definitely depends on the runner like nobody is alike so those are two things that you have to really kind of trial and error for yourself and figure out what works best for you yeah for sure yeah shoes are so important I know it's been very contentious with uh different shoes but you know, some people think, you know, you get a magic pair of shoes and you're just going to produce miracles, but it's not, <laughs> it's not that easy. You've still got to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, your body still needs time to get used to what it needs to get used to for you to perform your best, uh, you know, in the marathon. And even though you've done the training, it's still going to get to a point where it still asks you, like, do you, how much do you really want to do this? Because it, it hurts. I mean, for the last 10k of the marathon i mean the conversations in my head have got really dark you know, <laughs> and I yeah bet. i could be posting like you could be posting like weeks before yeah, i did this run and whatever pace but yeah it, it's that's a different day <laughs> you know right. the, the clock is ticking you got to go mm-hmm. so you know we all have those those feelings and i think the, one of the biggest lessons that i've learned is just like how you talk back to those voices mm-hmm. and you don't try and push those those feelings away or you know like I talked about the conversation I had when I was feeling sick but then there's conversations when you're having doubts of like can you do this I mean when I was running in the marathon we did like four loops and we had crosswinds for the first two laps and then the final two laps we had headwinds mm. so you're running into headwinds when you're tired feeling nauseous and it's raining so you're thinking <laughs> it's like this is like the perfect storm right. so you, don't, you don't deny that it's not a terrible situation but you're just like look I'm here now. I'm going to do my best. You just talk back to those voices. It's so and so ridiculous. But for me, that's one of the things. And sometimes it goes back to just, like I said about that story of Patty, you know, pick up my left foot, pick up my right foot, going back to even that basic thing and getting to a point of being like, okay, I've done that. I can reset and I can just try again. And even sometimes you might like 
you feel you're not running that quickly you just go by your effort and one of the biggest lessons i've learned is just to not look at your watch especially in the last 10k up to a point because you know in your head you know what the pace should feel like in your legs and you know in your head when you're easing off or you're not pushing so it's it's almost better to not know the time to to a certain degree Um, i mean you're still checking to a certain point but not like religiously checking mile by mile because that can just get into your head especially when it goes up and down mm-hmm. you just have to be like look i'm just i'm here i'm gonna give my best effort and just go right wow no i've never tried that i'm if i, I mean i'm sure i'll run a marathon in the future nothing close <laughs> right now but i might give that a shot i've never thought about that yeah i think i've had some runs where i don't look at my watch and it definitely like you said you kind of run by effort and knowing what your legs feel like and it's really interesting how your mind it's a it's a positive thing like i found myself doing better when i don't look at my watch all the time so yeah because yeah, you're trusting yourself because like when you're going and it's beeping and it goes if it's like five seconds or ten seconds below and you're like man i'm giving my, my best effort here and right. i'm still slow <laughs> you just, yeah. that, that is like a massive like gonna have a massive hit in your confidence and you just mm-hmm. don't need that right there so so yeah. for me it's just like just 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 like put it to one side and just go by effort because effort i mean how can you measure that that's that's how you feel Mm -hmm. True, definitely now marcus i I heard you talk about um your football kit so you you used to play well we call it soccer but you play football correct yeah are you still into it or do you do you watch um premiership or anything like that yeah i mean i used to play quite a bit when I was at school and then I think it's funny enough is that when I got more into my running I've actually stopped playing it because <laughs> it's a game well it's stable football but uh it's five a side and it's quite an intense type thing so you need to be pr- physically fit to do it because it's not like you can be like I'm a defender or I'm a striker literally you are up and down covering different positions but I'd find that the people that would go there <laughs> were just pretty reckless with their challenges some probably intentionally were reckless with their challenges and some were just 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 like <laughs> just just couldn't do it anyway so they, they were just slow because of whatever reason but I just found like you know I can't do running and do this because I'm just going to get injured I can't have some guy who's had a bad day at work just slam me into the you know the sideboard and you know, yeah. try and you know do something to my legs so I, I ended up stopped playing for quite a bit and uh yeah i still follow it but not as much as i used to to be honest because i sort of feel that you know it sounds funny like following a sports team is like stressful <laughs> that's all stuff and you yes. know you're working you've got family you do other stuff and, like i don't need to watch my sports team lose on the weekend to like <laughs> you don't need to see a grandman cry over this you just need to kill your life to do whatever you need to do so i'm a football fan still i'm an arsenal fan but um I don't follow it as like religiously as like I used to when I was say like a teenager and like I, I remember when I was younger I used to go to games I used to you know I used to know everything about the players and but now I'm just like you know <laughs> games could be on and I'm like nah I'm, I'm right I, I, I watch it <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha I gotcha yeah so Arsenal I gotcha so that's great I, I watch a little bit premiership I mean I don't have one team that I'm that interested in but they show it here early in the mornings on Saturdays so yeah. I'll just turn it on. I enjoy watching and I, I like MLS, um, the, you know, the American league here. Um, yeah. But it, watching the premier league is so much better, like the, the quality of play. So yeah. I just enjoy watching people who really know how to play a game. I'm, I'm like that with sports at all, in any sport. If you're really yeah. good at what you do, I want to watch it. It, it. I really enjoy it. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's the same for me, like an F1 as well, watching Lewis Hamilton doing what yeah. he's doing there. It's incredible. Incredible. Um, I mean, he is totally, and I actually put a little bit on my Instagram because he won his 92nd um, F1 uh, Formula race this past, was I think it was this past weekend. Um, yes, yeah, weekend. He is totally dominating a field. And I mean, I don't follow it close enough to know if he's the only man, person of color um, in there. But as far as I can tell, when I was seeing kind of what he was posting when he was doing a lot of his social justice stuff, it looks like yeah. he might be the only person of color. And the way he's dominating is just unbelievable. He is. And I think the thing that annoys me slightly about how he's been treated is like, I just think he's just obviously, he's soon to be the best F1 driver of all. Well, you probably say like the best ever, kind of like how like Mayweather would say, cause you can't say the greatest because that's subjective, really. Yeah. In terms of like records and things like that. But he's just incredible. And what he's achieved, I just find it almost unbelievable that he's not been knighted in the UK for what he's done. And and a lot of people say, yeah, that's because obviously his tax thing and, you know, he's whatever. But, you know, he's got a house, house in, in London, I think, or in the UK. And I know he pays his taxes. And you just sort of think, well, for what he's done, how what does he need to do to get a knighthood? Like, for example, there's, um, I'm going off topic, but our former deputy prime minister got mm-hmm. knighted and he's got like a really high power job, I think, working for Facebook. And you're thinking... I'm sorry, if this guy's come on, come in as a deputy prime minister, didn't do what he said he was going to do, <laughs> now he's got, a, got an amazing job. It's like, how can that guy get it? And like one of the best drivers of all time who happens to be black doesn't get, you know, people go, oh, what about the tax? Well, there's a lot of other, you know, wealthy sports people that don't live in the UK and don't probably don't pay the right amount of tax. But you're just thinking, this is what the press want to uh, move on to. So, um I kind of I'm having a bit of a rant there about Lewis Hamilton because I sort of feel like he's not really getting the respect that he deserves. He's not getting his due, which I I mean, and you know of course I'm and if you guys have not, I don't think we ever actually said it, but you know Marcus is is in London. Um, he's so if you couldn't tell by his strong Southern accent, he's in London. So you probably little know a little bit more about it than than we do, but um. I did want to, since we, we're kind of talking about, you know, the UK, I did kind of want to pick your brain about the running, um, not running groups, but uh, the, the, the running world in, in the UK. Like, what is it like as far as, you know, um, people of color, that sort of thing, and representation? How do you feel it is in the UK? It's an interesting question because, you know, the running community in the UK is is vibrant. So you've got... A club scene which is you know i think that's probably like the heart and soul of the running community here when you go to the marathons and the races you see lots of people in club vests and you know people are very proud about that then you've got different you know running crews and groups for certain types of people and you know whatever you know the groups there are i mean ultimately it's helping people find their tribe and I think if you find your tribe, then that's a magical thing. But for me, I've always been, even though I'm on social and do a podcast, I've always been alone in one sense. I just like my space. So for me, running is, is my time. And I can run with other people and I, I do enjoy it. But I think most most of my runs, I just enjoy doing by myself. And I think there's a, a sense of satisfaction. But that's not to say that if you know running with other people wouldn't help, especially you know if you're trying to get faster and things like that. So, I think for me, I've not quite found my tribe, if that makes sense, in I terms gotcha. of like a running group. But that's not to say that it won't happen. 
Great, great. So, I mean, I think we've gotten off topic from your from your podcast, but I did because yeah. the main reason, like I said, I wanted to bring you on here because I wanted the people to introduce you to introduce them to your podcast, A Runner's Life. Um, and just kind of tell the people if they do want to listen to your podcast, how can they find you? Where where is your podcast um, being hosted at so they can take a listen? So thank you. So my pod, my podcast, A Runner's Life, is on, on Apple, it's on Google, it's on Spotify, it's on all the platforms. So yeah, I just, just type A Runner's Life and you'll find it. Okay. And do you have a website or, well, I, I want you to give everybody your social media information as well. So if they want to follow you on Instagram, that sort of thing. Thank you. So yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram as the Marathon Marcus. I had to use the because um, Marathon Marcus was taken. I think it's a couple of math and markers as well. Couldn't believe it. The audacity. <laughs> the audacity. Uh, so, yeah. So I had to be the math and markers. So I always find it really funny when people go, introduce me as the math and markers. Because it's not something you I'd say to myself. Normally, you don't refer to yourself in the third person. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. I'm at, on, on, on Instagram, at the math and markers. I've got a website called math and markers. So I've got on there first. And obviously the podcast, uh, A Runner's Life. Nice. Well, you know what, Marcus? I really appreciate listening to your podcast as well as just hearing your perspective on running and racing. Um, I like how you put the kind of mental swing on things and not just about the time and the pace and all of that. Like it definitely is a part of the mentality that you have to have to continue to reach your goals. So I really appreciate it and, and, and you know, enjoyed hearing you talk about it. Thank you. And I think it's just something, the questions I ask are things that I'm thinking about and I'm just fascinated about and I really want to speak to other people. And when you speak to other people about the same sort of things, you just hear similar type things in terms of either the fears that people have or they don't have or the, the, their perceptions of fear or, you know, courage and what failure is and what winning is. It's just, it's really interesting to hear. And yeah, for me, just, it's, it's just incredible. And um it's, I think it's mostly the lessons that you don't think that you'll learn are the biggest lessons for running. Mm -hmm. And, you know, although we talk about, you know, the sub three and people think, oh, you know, you're winning and things like that, but it's not about the times as much. I know it's easy for people to say, oh, it's easy for you to say it and now you've done it. But it, you don't, there's not that sense of satisfaction. I mean, you learn actually, most of the time when you're running, you're going to lose. Most of the time when you're running, it's going to be disappointing. Most of the time you're running, you're not going to hit your targets. So, when you do get the times that do go well, those 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 moments, you have to learn to hold both of them equally and just see them for what they are. You know, they don't define you. Mm -hmm. And I think that those are probably one of the biggest lessons that running has sort of taught me. Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's amazing perspective with it, and just helping your listeners, our listeners, and anyone else hear you talk about running just helps them to understand that running is so much more than just the phys the physical part of it. Yes, it's the mental side of it. And there's so much, like I said, there's so many takeaways you can apply to your life. And, you know, it's the same as life, really. There's lots of moments in life where, you know, you don't feel great and you, and you, you know, but I think running just makes you face those, those feelings. Like when you're running, it's uncomfortable. There's no way around it. Your, mm -hmm. your head's telling you to stop and, you know, we all go for the same sort of feelings one wanting to stop and then stopping and then sometimes you can just push it extend it a little bit more a little bit more a little bit more um, until you can 
you know, it's like what Patty said to me is just like you go into the well, you make a home there, and then when you get comfortable and it's like all decorated, you move further down into the well and redecorate again. So you're just always kind of just pushing a little bit more, a little bit more. But we all feel the same sort of things, regardless if you're perceived fast or perceived slow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess everyone's slow in regard after like Elliot Kachobin, Bridget Koskai. So um, I guess right. for them, they're kind of like they're laughing at the rest of us. <laughs> this is so true. This is so true. I thought about uh, Kipchoge when you mentioned the shoes. And I mean, at the end of the day, he could have had on whatever shoes. But if he didn't put the training in and do the work, he wouldn't be able to get that sub to even though it was unofficial. So you got to put the yeah. work in. <laughs> yeah, there's always a hate, isn't there? Ah, oh, it's the shoes. I'm like, well, you do it then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was that easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get out there and do it. <laughs> you know, funny enough, actually, I had some guy heckle me on the course when I did my sub three. I went past him and he went, oh, it's one of those Alpha Fly runners. I was thinking, mm. this is like 2020. Who's heckling you while All you're right. passing them? <laughs> you be the surprised what people will do nowadays. I think social media has made everybody brave, I guess. I don't yes. know. <laughs> you know, everybody thinks they can speak their mind no matter what. Uh, that's, that's really unfortunate. <laughs> but Marcus, I have truly enjoyed speaking with yes. you. you. Definitely. I mean, you put some nuggets in there. That's going to get people out of bed to run in the morning. I'm telling you, uh, just yeah. just listening to you, uh, very inspirational. And I I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to uh, to speak with us. I know it's uh, a little late over there in the UK, and for you to get on here and and speak with us now, I appreciate it. Yes, that's a real pleasure, and I've enjoyed following your podcast. And it's just been a great opportunity to finally speak to you because it's funny when you listen to people on the podcast. It's like can't wait to speak to you at some point so I'm looking I was yeah really grateful for the opportunity to speak to you definitely definitely yeah it's been a long time coming we've been trying to get you on for a while just you know juggling everything but yeah it's very nice to speak with you as well Marcus thank you all right and we'll uh and we'll be talking to you soon we appreciate it guy what a wonderful interview Marcus oh my gosh like I said you are so inspirational I truly enjoy speaking with you today um some of his little tidbits I mean I, I said it in the interview but some of his little tidbits are going to get people out of the, out of the bed in the morning. Um, yeah, that's kind of how inspirational yeah. I felt it was. Yeah. I mean, just not only his story, but also kind of his inspiration in, in regards to not just the running being physical, but also mental. And it's just great. And Marcus, that was a great interview. And thank you for giving us your kind words and kind of your perspective on the progress and the time and effort that it takes to become a sub three hour marathoner. I'm really excited for you. Exactly. Now, India, if they wanted to contact you or follow you, how would they do that? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at I underscore of underscore Indigo. Um, So that's I underscore of Indigo, E-N-D-I-G-O underscore runs. You can also follow me on my YouTube page. I post a blog every Tuesday, and that is Miles from India. And if you would like to send me an email, you can hit me up at milesfromindia at gmail.com. And you can email me at thomaswmitchell, the number two at gmail.com um, or at tmitch68. You can DM me at my Instagram page. And of course, we have the Run Duo Instagram page as well. Yes. And episode 70 is in the books. It is in the books. Thanks, guys. A great week. And next time that Tommy and I will talk to you guys, we'll be letting you guys know how our 10 miler went. So that's coming up on Sunday. Good or bad, we're going to let you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See y'all All in right, two guys, weeks. Peace. Bye.